This is part three of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. So let's see. The next thing I got is, oh, the new type of angle brace. What do you guys call the new design for, for the angle brace? Is it the? I, I've heard. <laughs> I think I, I've heard the post at the bottom. It referred to as a kicker. Yeah, I don't know where that got. I think that was a Ron Ron terminology thing. Okay. Yeah, we, I think we've called it like a shorty on a kicker <laughs> before. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's you know it's just shortening the 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 angle brace so that it doesn't span the entire depth of the of the brim shed. It it's only about half. Um, half depth so you know it starts at the retaining wall and then comes down to halfway into the brim shell landing on this horizontal log that runs between the two posts now the the thing that i suggested was uh to either put in a new post between the existing two posts and then run the shorty down to the bottom Mm -hmm. of the new post or have the same thing, but the new post in the middle is uh, only sticks out of the ground like a foot, mm-hmm. and so it's a little stubby thing right there. And um, but uh, I don't know whether Ron didn't like my idea or what. And as mm-hmm. I, I and again I kind of feel like the 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 design that you guys ended up doing seemed fine to me and and um I, and again the artist gets to choose the you know yeah. make make a lot of choices so uh you guys went with that so basically it's a horizontal stick between the two posts so it's going to be this new post usually about 6 inches in diameter that runs along the ground mm-hmm. or near the ground yeah and maybe even you know Underground, and it's going to get the uh, the mix with it that keeps it from rotting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about halfway across the post, a notch is cut into it, and then um, the uh, angle brace is then put into the post that normally received the angle brace, but from halfway uh, bet- halfway in the middle of the kicker up to. Um, probably the middle of the vertical post yeah. in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. And then that way, there's like a walking area between the two cells, uh, within the cells. Mm-hmm. And, um, I thought it was nice. I think it's, I think that's a nice, a nice variation, a nice way to do it. It's cool. Um, in one of the scenarios where we had to remove uh, we we built that angle brace with the horizontal, and and then we realized that the existing post on the front was completely rotten, and we needed to remove it. Mm-hmm. We realized that that horizontal kicker between the two posts with the angle brace landing on it that's a self-supporting structure. It doesn't need the front post in order to support the retaining wall. Um, and that was kind of cool. So it's even though it's tied to the front post, and that you know gives it more stability. It's um, it's fine on its own. Okay. All right. All right. The next thing is is that um, <clears throat> last year 
to work on the broom shed with the excavator being not here, Fred and I cobbled something together, and Fred Fred made an uh, uh, he welded something up t- so that two logs could fit into what looks like a pretty heavy duty steel tray, and then there's like a little loop welded onto that. And then we took two ten foot long logs and I gotta I gotta say that while yeah, anyway, I gotta say Fred did most of the work. Alright? I'm gonna just say in fact I'm gonna go so far as Fred did all of the work. The only thing <laughs> the only thing that I did was um come up with the idea. And um so uh but so Fred, you know, so there's these two logs mounted in the bucket of the tractor so that they stick out and they're 10 foot long. And then they reach this point where they go into the tray. And so basically we mounted a gin pole inside the bucket of the tractor. And we've got a couple of come alongs, um, that, uh, attach to the end. And then there's a block and tackle that attaches uh, to the op to the other end of the end, mm-hmm. so <clears throat> it's a bucket extender. Sure, a bucket extender. It, it goes ten feet out further than the bucket normally is, and there's a block and tackle hanging off of it. And so we were able to grab hold of logs and um, uh, hoist them up, and then the tractor could lift the log and uh, move it over to where it needed to go and then we would then um, lower it with the, the the block and tackle from there. And there's a lot of videos about that. It's in all of the Bermshed videos and there's even a video specifically about it. Yeah. Well, um, I think Ron made a variation mm-hmm. where he took out the two 10-foot long uh, logs and he replaced it with one 16 foot long log and um, I think he he ended up not even using the block and tackle very often but I gotta say and in the video there's a I have it's it's there and I I have a concern and some people commented on it and they had the same concern and that is that in the video because every time we used the 10 foot ones we tried to keep the angle fairly steep mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to put too much pressure on those um, come-alongs, right. um, because they're at a pretty steep angle mm-hmm. in order to all fit in the bucket. Right. And um, and so Fred took that 16-foot, or uh, Ron took the 16-foot-long single gin pole, which is smarter because now it's lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was making it go horizontal, and I'm thinking like, oh man, that's a great way to break those come-alongs. Yeah. And so after I saw it in the video, I went and I talked to Ron about it, and he's like, oh, yeah. So now he doesn't do that anymore. Right. And so I think that no one's ever done that since. Is that? Please tell me that that is correct. <laughs> you know, we all have different styles. Um, <laughs> no, no. Please I, tell me that this is correct. I, I always like to keep, keep it pretty vertical when I'm driving it. And I did most of the tractor operating for okay. that. So it was usually me and I kept it around a 60 degree angle. Yeah, okay. 
And then uh, Ron got the idea of like, man, this 16 foot long pole is working out so great. <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm going. I with think it. he, I think he made the 20 foot long one first. Did he? And then it didn't work. It was like, yeah, it's it's like you could, like the bucket would like not pick it up, or if you put anything on the end of it, it's like it's not moving. It's like it was oh, too long. Way too long. Yeah. And he, I mean, even the 16 foot long one, like. Um, it, it you had to be real cautious if you were reaching far, which sometimes we needed to reach far. So we would, you know, make sure that what we were what we were carrying was real light because it had to go a long ways out. But yeah, okay. Limitations when you extend the bucket. Bucket extender is not I, not a. I have a note here that says <clears throat> you believe that a single pole, ten foot would be best yeah I think well the reason that we needed the the extra length of the 16 the only reason that it was more useful than the than Fred's original design was because we had to with the shop and the and the road and the berm were in the way and so we had to come at it from the side so we had to be hoisting these logs up over the angle brace into the cell to put you know to frame the roof and um, so we just needed that extra length. But if you could access it from the front, you could very easily do it with the 10-foot um, the ten foot single pole, which is lighter, um, it's narrower than the, the dual 10-foot poles. And, uh, yeah, I think that length would be more than adequate. Um, you can easily reach the back of the cell. Um, most, of, most of the lifting could just be done with the bucket itself if you're coming at it from the front. Um, but it is nice to have that additional height. Um, <clears throat> one of the things out of that video, I mean, uh, out of a lot of the videos about the berm shed, I, I, a lot of the work was being done with electric chainsaws. And I'm, I'm feel very strongly about using the electric chainsaws. Now, before I bought the Kubota tractor that we're using for all this stuff with the gin poles, I bought an electric tractor. Yeah, and, and, and you're making this face like... It's a yeah, grimace. Yeah. Oh, don't go into the electric tractor details. And, yeah, so I'm going to skip the details. Basically, it turns out that what I bought was quite the lemon. But we've made a lot of progress in um, repairing it, and, and it's getting more... Plausible to use. I'm, I, won't, I don't. Want, I, I'm not ready to say usable yet. Um, but there's a there's there can be a whole podcast just about the electric tractor. But I wanted to be able to use the electric tractor. Then the thing is, I wanted to use manual. Like like let's not use diesel to make the berm shed. But of course, first thing everybody wanted was the excavator, and it makes everything go so fast with the excavator. Then we're using the tractor with the gen pole, mm-hmm. and it's like that really speeds things up. Yeah. But I kind of feel like if we had two more bodies, we probably could have moved the logs into place pretty quickly, like maybe even faster than with the tractor. And then if we had a manual gen pole, um, it might not have moved things up as fast as the tractor, but it had been it had been close. If we had work environment, that's true too. 
that's true too. And it would have been more aligned with our values. Mm-hmm. So we we did cut a corner there. Yeah. And um, I I would prefer that we come up with something better. I would. The I would. Question is, what would that dream team of four expert brimshed builders? What would they use? Oh man, that's a kick in the nuts. Because <laughs> they'd probably want to use the excavator. Yeah. Like no question. Because they care about getting it done and that the final product is this pure thing. I'd like to think that they would invent a really cool manual gen pole. I'm going to keep that answer. Oh, I love that idea. That's cool. But a manual gen pole, if we had enough bodies, like like we had two extra bodies, Mm -hmm. that would have made replacing the tractor Worthwhile, although there would have been the temptation to to still use the diesel tractor right. and the two extra bodies, yeah. and in um, and get the whole project done faster. Mm-hmm. But I I kind of like the idea that if the boot camp is full again, and um, and we've got more experienced people here, like people that have been here more than a year, then um, I think that we could, uh, we, for future projects, we could minimize the the things that burn diesel mm-hmm. and uh, even burn electricity right. and do things more manually. I really like moving in that direction. Although that would be pretty, that'd be a pretty cool invention. Would be, uh, you know, a little electric winch operated uh, gin pole, pretty slick. And then you just kind of like bring a little twelve volt battery yeah. over. And and that's an that, that kind of let's just touch into this really quick. Um, at Christmas time, Jen got uh, a, a gift from Santa Claus that was um, uh, a little box that has a lithium battery in it, and um, basically it's worked so well that I kind of feel like and and the uh, the solar Volkswagen needs an overhaul. Uh, as as does the Leviathan, because their batteries are now six and a half years old, and um, they are you know starting to behave as if they're six and a half years old, and so it's kind of like well what do we do here? And it's kind of like rather than having these giant contraptions with solar panels, it seems like it might be time to move towards something that's going to be because um, the thing that Jen has is a lunchbox sized thing. And it, if I remember correctly, it holds like 350 watt hours of electricity and it'll do, it has an inverter built into it that'll do 300 watts. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, my understanding is it's working great. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking like when we talk about having a gin pole with a little electric winch, Mm -hmm. it just seems like. These things are amazingly portable. Yeah. And you can just bring it over and set it next to the winch. And then at night, at the end of the day, take it back down to base camp and plug it in and charge it in. Mm-hmm. Or take it over to the solar Leviathan or the solar Volkswagen and plug it in. Mm-hmm. And then you just carry this lunchbox of energy around. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it just seems like this is a brilliant thing. We've got a new one coming in that should be here in a week or two. That's more like a size of a small cooler, 
and uh, if I remember correctly, it has 1,500 watt hours, and it will it's able to put out uh, 1,800 watts. So you can use it with um, corded saws mm-hmm. and corded everything. Anything that'll plug into a 110 outlet, it'll handle it, no problem. Um, and so, yeah, it it just sounds dreamy. This is I think this is the direction we're moving toward. Um, but yeah, um, we've got tons and tons of trees which are just waiting to be a gin pole. And I'd like to, but we had some people that were, um, and I, and it hurt to see these comments on YouTube because I felt like they're right. And we, cause we were like, look at all those electric chainsaws we're using. We're, we're pretty, you know, committed to electric. And they're like, yeah, look at the fucking diesel tractor you're using there, asshole. Yeah. And I was like, kind of a little, you know, getting a little teary, like, yeah, I really wish that we could, yeah. All right. Um, uh, evolution of the notches. So the the actual joinery work, Mm -hmm. and this is about making the joinery on the ground versus while you're standing on the ladder. This is something that Ron was really good at. Is um, you know he he would we would we would do we built the first cell. Um, like a copy of the the one that Mark and I built during the ATC, and and then Ron was like, "All right, these are the changes we're gonna make." Um, and a lot of it just had to do with with making the notches more uniform. Um, if you make it more uniform, if you you know if you use a guide, if you use if you figure out which tools you're you're gonna need to make that notch, and then come up with your process um you'll eventually figure out how to speed it up and make it fit tighter um and if you figure out how to make it less custom then you can do the notch on the ground before you even put the log up and onto the structure and that ended up saving a lot of time and making you know by the end uh we were hardly doing any cutting uh in the air so, the, you know, at the beginning, we were doing a lot of stuff on ladders. You, you put the log up, you know, realize that your notch is a little bit off. You have to pull it back down or you, or you adjust it while it's on the structure. But um, but towards the end, we we learned how to do it all on the ground. Mm. And that, um, that was a huge, huge game changer. It was really, it was really good for the, for the process. Yeah. Well, um, how did it, what did everybody think about the electric chainsaws? I like them. I, you know, I, I have experience using gas-powered chainsaws in the past. Not a ton, but a, enough. Um, and one of the great things about the electric chainsaw is that you don't have to start it up and then turn it off. You know, it's just always ready to go. And as soon as you let go of that trigger, it's quiet and it's it's dormant. And so if you just need to make a little cut or you just need to make a little adjustment to that notch, you know, you don't have to start it up. Um, and that's that's really nice. And the corded ones, they have plenty of power for me. Um, the battery powered ones are a little, you know, they're a little bit, uh, a little bit on the light side. You have to be careful. If you if you push if you put too much uh, torque on them, they they tend to drown in the in the pressure. But um, the corded ones could really cut. Yeah. Would you say the corded ones have twice the power of the cordless ones? 
Maybe like thirty percent more. Okay. You know, so it's not double. Yeah. But it's a it's, it's a bump. Yeah. It might be double. It's hard to say. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, yeah, I feel like the the cordless ones do a pretty decent job, um, but when you start comparing them to the gas ones, then of course people are talking about like if you're going to be a professional lumberjack and you're getting paid by the tree you drop, it's like boy you want to get out there and and use the. But I just kind of feel like, but then you're sucking those fumes all day mm-hmm. and it's so loud. Yeah. And, and why are you out here to begin with? <laughs> you know. Um, and I kind of feel like by buying the cordless ones, that three years from now. Um, they'll be better, yeah. And and then they'll be easy. They'll easily compete with the gas ones in that space. I mean, I I cut down a two foot diameter ponderosa pine with the one of the one of those cordless saws yesterday, and that went just fine. I kind of I've used gas saws and I've used uh, you know electric saws, and to me it's just no contest. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ever use a gas saw again, mm-hmm. um, electric only, and and I I like to think that we're going to get to that point with a tractor. Mm-hmm. I like to think that someday we'll get that way with any of our vehicles that we use for anything that we could eliminate all petroleum, you know, from all of our projects. There are now I saw something about how there are now uh, um, uh, electric excavators available. But only for fleet. Um, and it's like, that's fine. I think renting them is just great. I'm not sure they're in, a, in Missoula. Yeah. You know, but they're out there. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've made, like, um, cool. hundreds of them. Yeah. And they're getting to be quite popular. Yeah. Because you think about it, there's a lot of places where it's like, we've got to bring an excavator in here to do this. But this is an enclosed space. Mm-hmm. And and so we can't bring anything in there that runs diesel. Right. You know? So it's, it's like... Uh, or like, you know, in, in a city... Residential neighborhoods. That's true. That's true. The electric stuff is going to be quieter. Much quieter. And I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for like when you're doing this. um, Part of the reason that you're going to make a berm shed is going to be because I you have a lot of trees and you love being a woodsman. And when you're out there with a gas saw. I think the experience isn't as lovely. Yeah. And uh, now, granted, some people are going to go for like cutting that tree down with an axe. Yeah, but I, my interest, I remember when Emily and Tony were here. Emily, Emily said, if if there's a tree, and you can cut it down with a chainsaw in three minutes, you could probably cut it down with a sharp axe in seven. Wow. Now, of course, Emily and Tony are athletes. So it's like there's something to be said for like because there's the, that is, there's that element too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, but if you're all if you're already gonna be quite the woodsman and haul around the saw and you know uh, be be moving the logs around and stuff like that, you you got a certain level of athleticism already. Mm-hmm. And so um, that that said, wailing at a tree with an axe for seven minutes. Man, that that sounds like a weight loss program. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about 
the ash mix that went into the posts or into the the holes with the posts. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, basically, either you dig a hole, you put a post in there, and then as you go and refill the hole, you're going to mix in some of this ash, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's an ash mix. And then when you get to the top inch, you're going to mix in a bunch more. Mm-hmm. And so that way it's super concentrated in that top inch, but there's still some in the hole too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then just real quick, we've figured out that the best thing to do when putting a post into a hole is to put a little gravel in the bottom. Um, some people talk about a cement collar or cement at the bottom or fill the hole with cement. I think all of those are terrible ideas, just from the practicality of it. I think that that's going to make it all rot faster. And on top of that, I I wish to suggest that everybody avoid cement as much as possible. Not only for the carbon footprint of it, but also they are now, when you buy commercial cement, they are mixing some seriously toxic shit in there in order to be able to get rid of their industrial waste and instead of paying to have it disposed of properly. So it's like, oh, it's we're, we'll just sneak it into the cement. And... um so we're, in fact, Allerton Abbey, beautiful home, uh, has zero cement. Is there? I don't think there's any cement in there anywhere. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything I've overlooked, but there's there's nothing. Cobb, yes, but that's not cement. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's any glue in it anywhere. Not that I know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there is either. But anyway, um. <clears throat> What's in the ash mix? The ash mix is 10 parts wood ash, one part borax, and one part diatomaceous earth. I kind of think I'd like to to change that mm-hmm. to 20 parts wood ash, two parts diatomaceous earth, and one part um, borax, mm-hmm. and then use twice as much. Yeah. So less borax, more wood ash. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because we have a fuck ton of wood ash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, all right. And we've, we've done a bunch of variations on this recipe. This is, this is our latest recipe for this mix that we put in. How much do you put in with the post and how much do you put in in that last inch? I've been putting in uh, one cup per linear foot of post that's in the ground. So, you know, we've been burying them three feet in the ground, so that's three cups. Um, And usually it's, you know, like uh, about a cup per linear foot as we're mixing it in, um, and And then a little extra at the top. Yeah. Um, I would say probably... uh, half a cup to a cup for the mix at the top mm-hmm. so that way it's going to be a lot yeah. of it near the top um, because that's your primary rot point mm-hmm. is right there where the oxygen is yeah where the oxygen and the moisture and the wood all meet yeah yeah so a little little extra boost um the tractor so our tractor is a 55 horsepower tractor the bucket I believe uh, holds about a yard, and uh, it can handle, I think, a ton and a half. 
And so when you get a full bucket load of, let's say, dirt, let's just, let's just say it's just from a rack. It's, it's mostly sand, but let's just say dirt. You get a full bucket load of dirt, and we need to put it up on top of the berm shed. Then you'd lift it to the highest, highest, highest thing that it could do. And I believe you're still about two feet shy from getting it up on top of the roof. Is that about right? Yeah, well, you're you're, you're about two feet shy from coming up uh, even with the top of the roof. So okay. you have to go a couple more feet to get it over the That's edge. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So um, what did you do? We built a ramp. What did you build it out of? Dirt. Where'd you get that? From the same place we were getting the other dirt. <laughs> so yeah, already got a whole bunch of dirt. Just got to move it over here to the berm shed anyway. And so let's just make a pile, and we'll drive up on the pile <laughs> to deliver the dirt up on top of the berm shed. I got a lot of experience of driving the tractor on top of a pile of dirt. Okay. Just uh, you know, I've I I've driven on the tractor a lot in a lot of different environments. Um, and it takes a lot of dirt to build a pile that the tractor can, in a, in a stable and safe and consistent way, the tractor can climb up and dump a load. You know, considering that the tractor's heavy, but then the weight of the fully loaded bucket that you're putting directly on top of the ramp. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it does take quite a bit of dirt to build that ramp and make it solid. But, um, but I think... I built. I ended up building like five of these ramps in different places, um, and you know, build the ramp, put dirt on the roof, and then move the ramp basically. And it would take me maybe an hour and a half of uh, of building, just building the ramp, to get it to the point where I could drive all the way up and dump um, dump directly on top of the roof. It would take significantly less time if. Um, if uh, if we would just drive up to the roof and then you'd shovel the dirt out onto the the roof. Okay. But to get that extra two feet, you know, so you can <laughs> yeah. just dump, dump it. it on yeah. top. That takes a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Of course, it would have been faster with an excavator. Way faster. Yeah. But um, that was up at the lab, and getting it down here would have been big pain in the ass mm-hmm. uh and and so we had the tractor uh handy and uh so it's like okay let's 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 do this mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i think that when we first talked about doing this um and of course we're all about experimentation and then you know even though we're all about experimenting and this was an experimental idea there were quite a few people that were like this there's no way this can work. It's, you know, it's not known. You know. Anyway, um, there's a lot of, because one of the questions was, is like, okay, if you do that, then what do you do with the dirt afterwards? And I was like, at the very worst, put it back where you found it. Um, but then the next thing is, is it's like, we still need more dirt. <laughs> so if we have to build another ramp, look, the dirt's right here to build another ramp, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um but uh, I think that the last ramp, uh, the dirt was used to put on the attic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
And so it's like that all worked out great. And for the attic, it's already coming down to the ground. You don't need a ramp. Yeah. 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 So um, that worked out rather beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think, and then that there was um, a lot of discussion about angle of repose and the dirt's going to all smush out and stuff. But I, I, I seem to recall that uh, we grabbed some twisted lumber and kind of tossed it inside the pile, and that kind of held it together pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it it. Acted as like an engineering um, <clears throat> strengthener to the to the dirt, mm-hmm. and so um, uh, in the end, I think it worked out, worked out great. I think that's the next video that goes up as a demonstration of the tractor. Um, like the first time the tractor goes up the ramp, it's still kind of soft, so you're gonna gotta mash it down mm-hmm. a little bit, <clears throat> and then once it's good and mashed down, deliver the dirt, yeah. no problem. But yeah. I think the ramp was four feet high yeah four or five feet high it was pretty pretty high up there Mm -hmm. and um and it's a tight squeeze to get onto the ramp so you don't want to get too wild driving around up there um but in the end a very simple solution and it i think it worked out extremely well yeah um and and well enough to like let's let's do that again you know so yeah. it got it was it was redone several times mm-hmm. okay <clears throat> and we got to the the I mean the process was that um, we'd build we would build two cells so we had two cells that were ready to get dirt on top and then we'd build a ramp um so we only we only built one ramp for every two cells yeah okay mm-hmm. and then there was like some shoveling and some bucketing, yeah. you know, um, and uh, I don't know. That worked out fine. I mean, if if not for the thing where we took out the angle braces and drove the tractor in, and then then the the um, that wall collapsed, and, and by collapse we mean it kind of leaned more than was convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, then it would have been a lot of bucket action or wheelbarrow action up on the roof to get it to all get to, to move all the dirt towards the point where it's kind of pinched in between the shop and the county road right yeah and um that would have been a bummer and so it was Maybe. nice it was nice to be able to do it this way and of course <clears throat> in the idea where we're doing it over again Without the road, without the shop, and we have the excavator. Oh yeah, the excavator makes that part crazy easy. Yeah, and it would be nice to have an electric excavator. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, for the amount of dirt that gets put on top of the berm shed and to build the berm itself, that would be hardly any time at all with the excavator. Even yeah. though, even the diesel excavator, it's 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 going to be so little time. Oh yeah, yeah, very very quick. It's amazing how fast it can move a yard mm-hmm. of material and precisely where to move it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy like fast. A half day for all of the dirt the whole thing. For oh the, yeah, 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 <laughs> easily uh, half a day, maybe even less. Um, I've only got two notes left uh, on on my notes. One is is that the eave was supposed to be five feet. But for most of the berm shed, it's only two and a half feet. And so I kind of feel like um, maybe we should make a, I, I don't know, a note to, to attach to the berm shed as people look at it 
and, Big sign. And, yeah, and say like, okay, so if you're thinking of making one of these, here's the things to do differently. But the eave should be a five foot eave because we want to be able to keep the water, the rainwater away from those posts. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as long as those posts stay dry, they last. But they gotta stay dry. And um, if the water gets to them because the eaves are too short, then that shortens their lifespan. Mm-hmm. We'll see how this goes, but I wanted a five foot long eave. Um, and then my last note is that um, there's a tool that we're aware of that we currently do not have. And um, uh, basically, um, if we had if we had it, maybe... In fact, did we write this down? I know it, I don't have it on here. It, it may have cut maybe as much as a day off the build. Like when we talk about 15 days... Mm-hmm. If we had this tool, would it cut a day off? Maybe even more. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. I'd be really curious to see. But it's basically uh, a planer attachment. That goes on the end of, like, the tip of a chainsaw right. bar. And this is because so many of the notches that we made, um, so many of the, the joints we were just flatting the rounded parts of the log, uh, making a flat so that the two the two logs would would uh, sit together and have really good contact. Mm-hmm. And a chainsaw is not designed to do that. But we came we came up with some good techniques to make the chainsaw do that in a in a quick manner. But it would have been so much faster if we had a tool that was designed for that purpose. Right. Um, and this planer attachment for the chainsaw might be the one. I can't remember what they call it. I mean, I've seen it for years, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't even think about trying to get it. But if we do anything like this again, which maybe maybe we should try to get one before uh, the jamboree starts, mm-hmm. you know, because there's going to be some roundwood stuff going on maybe during the jamboree. Right now. <laughs> uh, maybe we could sell a few tickets first. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, do you remember what it was called? I I can't remember what it's even called. It's in the, that video that the timber timber tool people put up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just it's this thing, and then they use it. It's like a they show it off as like a debarking tool. Yeah. And and it's a and when you watch the when I saw static picture of it, I kind of thought, yeah, but does it really work? <laughs> and then I, and now here we are years later and there's a video of it and it's like, whoa, not only does it really work, it might even work a little too well. <laughs> you're, you're taking off a lot of wood with that bark. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, you got to kind of restrain yourself a little bit there, buddy. You know, so, um, uh, it looks like, wow, that, that would be, an extremely handy thing. Um, so, that's that's it. That's all my notes. Hey, look at that. That's all my notes. That's all your notes? Yeah. All right. Um, overall, I'm very happy with the broom shed. Yeah, me and, too. And I kind of feel like in order to be able to build something of that size in 15 days, we did have to go through these two builds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's kind of like, I hope that by the time we're building our fifth Wafati... That the fifth Wafati can, the whole thing is built in like a month. 
mm-hmm. and that it takes very little effort. Mm-hmm. We've gotten so much smarter about it. Right. But that's kind of the thing with experimenting. Whenever you experiment and you build a prototype, building a prototype takes a lot longer than production. And the stick-built homes are very optimized now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I think that when we optimize, when we get on to number five, we're probably going to have less labor into it than a stick-built home. Mm-hmm. It's going to go super fast, I think, and be super inexpensive. I'm on the edge of my seat about that one. I I am super looking forward to it. I mean, like Allerton Abbey is looking really beautiful, yeah. and so I I think we've got I think we're onto something here. But of course, there 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 are some design improvements. Like uh, I understand this week you guys are up at Allerton Abbey, and um, you are uh, you're you're fighting the dust that comes off of the exposed shitty cob. Yeah, and it's like we're going to make. The exposed shitty cob into beauteous cob, yeah. complete with a little bit of linseed oil. Mm-hmm. And because uh, if you don't, what happens? It dusts. It just it's, it's like uh, you're ending up with like just too much dust mm-hmm. everywhere, yeah. and it sucks. You know, and part of that is attributed to the the unfinished cob floor. Two of the cells don't have their finished layer of floor over it, and so right. it's you know. But we've covered up those up with rugs for now. Um, but yeah, we've we've taken all the the shitty crab off the wall, um, and we're gonna put some really nice cob up, and okay. uh, hopefully that'll. The two floors not being done—that's my fault. I made the executive decision that it's time. Why would you do that? It's it's time. It's time to move in, and and finishing those floors has to wait until it gets warm again. That was my official decision. And so um, I just wanted to get onto some, because, you know, the other thing is, is like you got to, in order for the, in order for a finished floor to seal correctly, it needs the ability to dry. And while we're using raw linseed oil instead of boiled linseed oil, um, it doesn't smell nearly as bad as boiled linseed oil. It and then and some people even say that it doesn't even smell bad. It just smells like oil. I kind of like it. Yeah, it, it has an earthy oil mm-hmm. smell to it. But I still feel like I don't want people living in there with right. that with a lot of that oil smell that's as good, it's. That's a good point. Well, thank you, Paul, for <laughs> making, for that consideration. You're welcome. I appreciate it. So, um, I kind of feel like let's because it was. By the time I made the decision, I think I think we were in mid October, mm-hmm. and it's like no, it's it's too cold. We gotta. So anyway, I, I made the I made the call, which and I think it frustrated Fred because Fred wanted to have this beautiful beautiful thing to be done to done done done, mm-hmm. and I threw a wrench in that. Yeah. So. Um, but we did finish the berm set, berm shed. The berm shed is done, 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 done. We, if we had continued working on Alish and Abbey another two weeks, we might not have finished the berm shed this year. It's true. It's totally possible. That's true. I'm amazed that work was able to continue on days that were, 
you know, like everything was frozen. Which, speaking of frozen, here it is. It's today's February 2nd. It's Groundhog Day. Oh, hey. Um, But uh, a week ago, even, it was late January. And so I think a lot of people think Montana, late January, everything's going to be covered in a six-foot layer uh, sheet of ice. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what, what what's the weather been like for the last week and a half or so? It's been in the 40s, and and I re, I would I think of it as it is it is muddy. The weather yes. has been muddy. Well, <laughs> not that mud is falling from the sky. <laughs> Rain has been falling from the sky, and everything everywhere you walk, it's muddy. Well, and that's definitely the case here at base camp. But up at the lab in the forest. There's still a lot of snow on the ground, and there's a lot of patches where the ground is still frozen. Um, and so it's not quite as muddy up there, but it's still in the 40s. <laughs> so I think uh, I think the weather re- report says that tonight it's going to freeze. Uh-huh. But we've had, like, more than a week where it either didn't get below freezing or if it did it got just barely below freezing for just an hour or two and so but for 10 days it's been melty and muddy and warm Mm -hmm. um and uh i think this is kind of normal for here Mm -hmm. um we did have one year where it seems like we went from November until March, where the snow didn't melt off. And it's like, that was so weird. Um, and uh, and then last year, we got hit with, like, a whole lot of snow, which I think so far, here it is, February 2nd, how many times have we had to plow the snow? Really just twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah. And then when we plowed it, it was like, three inches it wasn't like oh man look that's a foot deep the last time i plowed it it was it was upwards of 10 inches oh yeah yeah really yeah i was kind of thinking well maybe that was up at the because you plowed up the lab Mm -hmm. and um and maybe that was an accumulation i was thinking here at base camp i don't think it got to 10 inches did it yeah, it was it was probably at the most in a single day it was about five inches. Yeah. Okay. So all I'm thinking is is like we plowed twice so far this year and it, and what we plowed wasn't very much. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. There are places where winter comes and they have like eight feet of snow yeah. and then it's like drifting and we just really don't have that much. I mean, it does seem like around the beginning of March we'll get hit with, like, some kind of crazy bunch of snow, like, more than a foot. Wow. And, um, but then March 20th is when it's time to plant your peas. Mm-hmm. It's all melted off. Yeah. So it's it's a blip hmm. of, like, this odd thing of a bunch of snow all at once. And that's, But we've had some quirky things, but it's to be expected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, snow load... On the berm shed, um, or uh, a wafati. I I kind of feel like a the previous berm shed when it when when those cells those two cells caved in, 
and the tops it was in the summer mm-hmm. it didn't do it in the winter right it it held the snow load yeah. um uh throughout the winter uh all, plus any rain load and, and all the dirt that was on top of it without a problem it was the summer where it failed and i think that the way that it failed wasn't even so much about like oh the wood broke in the middle it was more like the sticks kind of nudged themselves off hmm. and and then they just fell yeah so um there was however one cross beam that was kind of small and fred pointed out that it looked like it was about to give so we went and we got uh one of the house jacks and stuck it under it to kind of prop it up hmm. until it could get replaced wow um that's the, I think that was the one that's right above the rocket kiln. Oh. Um and uh uh I I I got to say that with what we've got now if there was a 6 foot snow load not a problem. I mean we've got beefy beefy wood under that. And the cells are 10 by 10 with beefy beefy wood. It's like oh yeah. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. If if the um, previous berm shed didn't give up on getting, um, you know, probably a two and a half foot snow load that it probably had at one point in time, um, what we have now could probably easily take on four times more snow. Cool. I think. <clears throat> but wild ass speculation. <laughs> Anything else? No, I'm good. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about roundwood timber framing, homesteading, and permaculture all All the the time. time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.